giving you something like more doctrine. Sounds like, sound like a very scary word, doesn't it? But I'll be giving you more teaching on what the, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit and, and what it is. But today, I want to give you an example of that life. What does that life look like? To actually see somebody filled with the Spirit of God. What does that life actually look like? And that's what I want to investigate. That's what I want to look at this morning. So that you can go away and say, say to yourself, well, yeah, I know the teaching, I know the doctrine of the Spirit. I know he's a person, he has a work. But what does he look like when he fills a life? And that's what we want to discuss this morning. The first thing, uh, I've got five things to say about a life filled with the Spirit of God. And the first thing I'm going to look at is rescued and saved. You know, many people come to Christ in a different way. Some people are brought up in a Christian home. They cannot give you the time or the date when they actually became a Christian, but they got brought up in a Christian home and they gave their life to Christ then. Some people go off to school or to universities and for the first time they hear the message of the gospel, and they come to faith in Christ then. Others come to faith in Christ by um, maybe going through 20, 30, 40, even 50 years, and they move into their 50s or into their 60s, and they find out something about Christ, and God gets a hold of their lives. No matter how it happens, whether you're young, or whether you're older, you must be born again. Doesn't matter how it takes place, how it happens, you must be born again. And this is what happened to this character that we're reading in our Bible, Paul. See, Paul was a violent man. And we read about his life in Acts 9, 1. Meanwhile, Saul, that was his name before he got changed to Paul, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest. He was a man of violence. He himself says about himself in Timothy, he says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. Here we have someone who is not a person you want to greet at the door of the church. You rather run the other way. He was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor of Christians. And he was violent. He says of himself. But as this violent man. As this blasphemer. This persecutor of Christians. As he was on his way to Damascus. Something happened. Look what it says in the scriptures. As he neared Damascus on his journey. Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. I like that word, suddenly. He was going on his way, doing his thing, being violent, being blasphemous, being, being a horrible person, and then suddenly, God steps into his life. He didn't get any, any, any notice about it. There wasn't no sort of like, this morning you're going to meet with the Lord. No, it was suddenly. God breaks into his life. And God throws him to the dirt. Throws him to the ground. 
and calls him by name. See, Paul had to see that he was nothing before the glorious God. He was thrown to the dirt. In other words, he knows the scriptures. From dust you are, and from dust you shall return. You're coming against the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. You are nothing in compared to him. And Paul, this great man, was humbled and thrown to the ground. It was that counter, encounter that caused him to be born again. And in fact, the Holy Spirit was at work right there and then. The Holy Spirit was on that road of Damascus. It was the Holy Spirit that suddenly broke in. It was the Holy Spirit that grabbed the hold of his heart. It was the Holy Spirit that caused him to pray for three days, blind and seeing a vision that someone would come and place his hand on him. It was the Holy Spirit's work that was in this man's life. And that caused him to cry out with Isaiah, woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. It was the Holy Spirit of God that caused him to see his own sin and to see his own weakness. Look at how it happens. It has to happen. Some of you know my, my testimony. I was 11 years old, getting really mature, moving into 12. When I was sitting in a, in a room, in a Sunday school room, full of boys my own age, about 20 boys sitting around in this room. And I must have heard it before. But somehow it was new. And this man who was speaking was telling me about Jesus' death on the cross. He was telling me about the nails in his hands. Telling me about the crown of thorns on his head. Telling me about the whips on his back. And when he finished, he said to all the boys, okay, see you on Tuesday. Everybody rushed out the room. But it seemed to me that I had some super glue free stuck on my backside. I couldn't move from the chair. I was riveted. Didn't realize I was still sitting there. And a guy came up to me and said, you all right, Jeremy? And I said to him, is it true that Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross and died for me? And the guy said, it's true. And that day I gave my life to Christ. That happened for a young man. But the another story, I like telling this story better because my friend Lee Wilson's in the house today. And Lee Wilson used to have a foul tongue. Language that turned the air blue. But one day he got into a, a, a scrap and into a fight and into something crazy and he lost an eye. So Lee was angry. An angry man. Decided for revenge. Got himself a gun. Made sure the gun was loaded and plotted and planned to kill the man who'd done that to him. But suddenly, God broke in. And Lee, sitting here now, a Christian born again, and that guy's alive somewhere. But God stepped in. 
Now I like telling that story better than my story. You know, my story was like, but it doesn't matter how it happens. Whether you're an 11-year-old boy or a man in his 40s, you need to be born again. You need life from God. And it has to be the Holy Spirit's work in you to bring you into that point. It's a spirit's work. But not only did the Spirit rescue and save Paul, but he also showed him the Lord Jesus Christ. Showed him our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. And that he's able to forgive you, cleanse you from sin, and bring you home. <coughs> Praise be to God. That is what the first step of a life looks like. A life saved by God, rescued by God, because the Spirit is at work. But the second thing I want to say about what a life looks like, that is filled by the Spirit, sensitive, and bold. Once you're saved by God, once the Holy Spirit has filled you, convicted you of sin, showed you that your sins are forgiven because of what Christ has done, once the Holy Spirit has done that, he will give you an awareness of sin and a boldness to confront it. Look at Paul. Again, Acts 17. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. He was greatly distressed that the city that he was in was full of idols. It troubled him. Instead of people honoring God, they were worshipping stone, worshipping brass. Every corner, it seemed there was an idol here and an idol there. It was everywhere. And instead of him saying, well, doesn't matter, I'm in Athens. No, the Spirit of God was upon him in such a way that it distressed him. It caused him to, to, to be uncomfortable because the Spirit of God was at work within him. Listen, when the Spirit of God begins to fill you, when the Spirit of God gets a hold of your life, you begin to be distressed over sin. Seriously. I have to say another brother who's here today, Kevin, who sits at the back there. Kevin was talking to me on Friday. And Kevin said to me, Jerry, I was driving around in my work today and I was sitting with this guy, he's not a Christian. But he was swearing and it troubled me. It troubled me. It troubled me so much. What troubled me more, Kevin said to me, and he's right, what troubled me more, I would begin to slip into the same manner of speech that he was in, and it troubled me. And that's right, Kevin, for it to trouble you, because you were filled with the Spirit of God. And was a man or woman is touched by God's Spirit and filled with the Spirit, he becomes troubled over sin. And the very fact that he noticed it very fact he's aware of it is that God is at work. Now the thing that we ought to concern you and me is when we are not troubled by sin. That should concern us. It should concern us when Jesus' name is being abused and we're not really bothered about it. 
It should concern us when we lie. It should concern us when we are bitter. It will concern us when we are backstabbing something, when we are doing something wrong. If we turn on the TV and there's pornography or we look at the computer and there's evil things on our screen, it should trouble us. It's the Spirit of God that works in you. It should. No way should a Christian man or a Christian woman be allowed to sit and indulge in wickedness and walk away saying, well, no problem. I'll uh, get to church on Sunday, no problem. It should trouble. Why should it trouble you? Because the Spirit of God will be upon you and in you and fill you. And so any sin will trouble you. And so it happened with Paul. He was troubled by the idols that he saw all around him. What did he do? Not only was he troubled, but there was a, a boldness. We read, so he reasoned in a synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day, and those who happened to be there. Again, we read, Paul then stood up in a meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walk round and look carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. So you, who are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Paul was bold. Paul was able to stand up and say, yet, there's idols all around. But I'm going to say something about it. I'm going to speak. And he did so. I can remember back in school when I was a Christian in my high school. I was bigger than some of my friends anyway. So I told them straight. I said to them, don't use the name of Jesus in my face. Now that might have been bold. I might be, they might be scared. I might knock them out. They did. I'm not too sure. But I said, don't use the name of Jesus when I'm around. And lots of them respected that. And I know some guys here are very keen to say, you know, if you use the name of Jesus, could you, could you tell me about him? Because I know him. I know another man who was working or training in the gym. And in the gym, they had music being played. And the music was swearing, F this, F that, you know, name for black people. It was awful. And he came up to the guy and said, listen, I'm a Christian. Could you turn that off? Now I'm saying it's not always easy to be bold. But I want to say this. We need to be able to stand and to confront sin. You need to be able to stand first and foremost and confront sin that's in your own life. Never mind what's going on in the world. Some of us say, I can't do that. You're different to me. I can't do that, what you can do in the world. But first place where you need to confront sin is in here. That's where you need to stand up. That's when you need to turn around and say, I am not going to do what I used to do. I'm going to put down my my language. I'm going to put down what I see on TV. I'm going to put down what I see on a computer. I'm going to put these things down. I'm going to put blocks on things because I want God to work in me and to change and to transform me. I need the Spirit. That's what a life looks like. 
When a man is filled with the Spirit, he has a sensitivity towards sin and a boldness to confront it as well. Let me just go on the side here. I, people think that the Holy Spirit is just there to make you feel good, to give you a happy time on a Sunday morning, to make you somehow go away from church with a skip and a jump and a, and a hallelujah on your breath. His job is not to make you feel good. His job is to make you useful in God's kingdom. That's his job. And so, sensitivity and boldness. Two more to God. Power and hardship. I place these two together because um, I believe when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have power. Paul experienced this. Paul was in, I believe, um, was Ephesus, I can't be sure what town he was in, but he was preaching, and as he was going around preaching, there was a woman, a crowd, and, and, and a young girl following them. It was in Philippi, I think. And a young girl was following them, and this young girl was filled with an evil, wicked spirit. So much so that this evil spirit was speaking through her. And this evil spirit was telling everybody what Paul was about. And so we come to the verse that I really want to concentrate on. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Power of God. Here's Paul turned around, this evil spirit. This young girl is bound in chains by an evil spirit, being used by men. And, 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 and Paul turned around and says to the spirit, Come out! In the name of Jesus. The girl was set free, delivered. Wonderful. And that is the power of the Spirit of God at work. When God's Spirit is at work, people who are bound by chains, whatever those chains might look like, it might look like this, or it might look like drugs and alcohol, it might look like, 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 like sexual perversion, it might look like something else, but whatever it is, the Spirit of God is able to break that chain and to set that man or that woman power of the Holy Spirit. Well, Paul turned around and he set that woman free by the power of the Spirit of God while he says, in, before my message and my preaching, we're not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's how I come, said Paul. That's how I roll. When I come and preach, he says, I don't come and persuade you. I come with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Well, why is that? Well, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. But there's power in the kingdom of God. And that power is from the Holy Spirit. Now, so did Paul, was he cheered? Did people turn around and give him an OBE and say, well done, Paul. You got rid of that evil spirit. That girl is set free. She's no longer a slave. She's free. Wonderful, Paul. Here's an OBE. Did he get cheered? No, he did not. In fact, we read these words. 
The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. The crowd joined in. The attack, the same verse, but I'll read it again. Against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown in prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. I think God wanted us to hear that twice. They was not praised. You know, I can hear Laurel and Hardy in this. That's another fine mess you got me into. Can you imagine? Paul, he could have said, I wish I didn't say anything. I wish I didn't speak. Then we wouldn't be here. But that's not what they said. The Holy Spirit who gave them power was also the Holy Spirit that was with them in jail. And listen. Listen to them in the darkness. Come and listen to them. See them. You can't see them very clearly because it's black in the dungeon, but they are chained hand and foot. Their backs are bleeding from the whipping and the flogging and the spitting and the punching, and they're in the prison cell. Deep in the dungeon, no warmth, no heating, no clothes. But listen, you can hear something. You can hear something deep in that dungeon, deep in that prison. Oh, hail the Lamb, enthroned on high. His praise shall be my sacrifice. What's going on? Oh, hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring on the royal diadem and crown him. Crown him. Crown him. Crown him, Lord of all. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. What's happening? Hallelujah. About midnight, Paul and Silas was praying and singing hymns to God. There were people listening. Hold on, didn't these guys get whipped? Didn't these guys get flogged? Didn't these guys get beaten up? Yes, they did. Where are they? They're in the middle of the prison cell. What are they doing? They're praising God. How is that possible? The Holy Spirit of God was upon them. Kim shared on Wednesday night that when we were going through the darkest valley of our lives, there was a song in her heart a song of praise unto God the Holy Spirit when he fills your life not only gives you power but he's able for you to sing in the darkest areas of your life 
Holy Spirit is able not only to give you the power to defeat Satan in your life, but when you're on the floor, he gives you the power to worship and to praise him. And we see it very clearly in this story. Once again, what a glorious God we have in the Spirit of God. I'm sure my children will say, Dad, don't sing again in church. (laughs) What are you doing? You can't sing. Hey, if you know you can't sing like me, the brokenness in your heart will always sound beautiful to God. Always will sound beautiful to God. Let me just um, move on. Discipleship and care. Let's turn this heat over here. Cool wind. Discipleship and care. Praise God. You know, many people, um, Paul, when he filled with the Holy Spirit, he had many people around him, but Paul was concerned about others. So much so, he was concerned not only about everybody, he was concerned about individuals. One particular man. One particular man Paul was concerned about. That was Timothy. Look what it says in the Bible. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. Now, Timothy wasn't his normal son. He wasn't his son from a marriage. Paul wasn't married. But he was a son in the Lord. Paul was investing his life into other people. And he was investing his life into one particular person. And that was Timothy. And it's just tremendous to see that Paul was working, Paul was able to be a father figure to somebody else. Now, I want to say this. The Holy Spirit's work in you will cause you to be concerned about other people. The Holy Spirit working in you You will be concerned about someone else growing in the Lord. Some people say, well, I'm a Christian and I'm only concerned about getting to heaven. As long as I get to heaven and as long as I avoid hell, then I'm okay. That's a stranger to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when he fills somebody, like he felt Paul. Paul was concerned. So concerned about Timothy, he wrote two letters to Timothy. So concerned. If you're falling asleep, wake up. Stay with me, and I've only got five more minutes to go. So concerned he was that he made sure he invested his life into someone else. Can I ask you a question? Are you concerned about other people making heaven as well as yourself? Are you concerned that someone else, in fact, have you got someone on your prayer list? on your heart, that you're going to pray for that man, you're going to pray for that woman, you're going to pray for that child, because you're concerned. And that concern is not born out of being bullied by the preacher. It's born out of the Holy Spirit filling your life. You're concerned about other people. Paul was concerned about Timothy. Now as I close, the last thing I want to say, the last thing I want to say it's heaven and a crown. Heaven and a crown. Well, here we have Paul. And here he is. The Bible says, 
that he comes to the end of his life. I don't know about you, but I'm not looking forward to live as a hundred years old. They say that you can live, you can get to a hundred, they said, and you get a letter from the queen. You know, I'd rather miss the letter from the queen and go to glory earlier. You know, I'm not really looking to hang around too long. In fact, Paul turned around and he says in the Bible, for me to live is Christ. That's wonderful. And to die is gain. And he goes on, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. It's absolutely better by far to be with Christ. And so Paul said that as a young man, but it came a time when he got older. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, had, was with him in his conversion and caused him to say no to sin and yes to righteousness, yes to God. The Holy Spirit was with him and made him sensitive to sin in his own life and sensitive to the sins that was going around him. The Holy Spirit came upon him and filled him with power to preach, but also power to sing when there was time to trouble and sadness. And now the Holy Spirit was with him in his old age. And so he turns around and he says this. For I'm, ready to, I'm, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul turns around and he says, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Soon as I got saved, the Holy Spirit was upon me. Ananias came and prayed for me, and the scales from my eyes fell off. I was filled with the Spirit of God. And he took me through a journey a journey when I, I was able to say no to sin. A journey when I was able to, 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 to look at my own life and, and, and want to, to live it in joy and in pleasure to God. A life where the Spirit gave me power. Even though I was beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, I was able to worship God in all of these things. But now, the Holy Spirit is calling me home. The time of my departure is at hand. What does he say? Keep me longer? No. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And now I await a glorious crown which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me. I'm longing for that day, says he, and I'm going to be so filled with the Spirit that once I enter into his glory, I'm going to be full of joy. The Spirit of God filled him. Let me close with one more story. There was a woman in this church, worshipping God in this church some years ago. If you look at the Bible at the back, open the Bible... The name of her husband is on that Bible, John Burrell. Her name was Daphne. And Daphne had mouth cancer. 
She had it for a good few years. She was battling, struggling. But every time you saw her, the Spirit of God was upon her. There was joy in her. And then I went to the hospice over in Harlow. That's where she was going to end her days. And she's over there in Harlow. The cancer was very bad. She wasn't very nice to look at. It had peered in on her face. It wasn't easy for her. She was a very dignified woman. But I was able to see her and spend time with her. And her daughter-in-law wrote to Kim after she died. Her daughter-in-law, none of them were Christians. And her daughter wrote to Kim and said, my, my mother-in-law, before she died, got us all to hold hands round her bed. And as we held hands round her bed, we don't know what she was doing, but she wanted us to hold hands round the bed, all the children, all the family. None of them were saved. And she began to sing a hymn even though she knew she was dying, even though she knew the cancer has eaten her face, she began to sing a hymn of praise to God. And when she finished singing this hymn, the daughter-in-law said, after she finished singing the hymn, she began to pray. We couldn't hear her voice very well, but we knew that she was praying and asking God to bless us. A few hours after that, she died, passed into glory. How did Daphne die like that? I'll tell you how. A life filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we, as young men and women here today, and older men and women here today, as we go through life, the essential, and I will Underline that word essential. The essential thing you need in your Christian walk is the spirit of the living God dwelling in you. Pastor, how can I get that? I, I desperately want him. How can I have him in my life? Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock. And a door will be opened unto you. For anyone who asks will receive. He who seeks will find. And he who knocks, the door will be opened to you. How much more will my Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Young people, older people, parents, grandparents, are you willing this day to cry out to God, give me more, fill me fresh with your spirit? Let's pray.